0: Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church
1: in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy.
0: This morning's scripture comes out of Luke 15, 11. It's a parable of the, the, the yeah the son, lost son. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country. And there squandered his wealth on wild living. After he'd spent everything there, there was a severe famine in that land. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his field stuff to feed the hogs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that he gave, the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has come back home to him safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slave to you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you've never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends." But when his son, this son of yours, who has squandered your property and has prostituted himself, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, You always will be with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate because this brother of yours has been lost and is alive again. He has been lost and is found. May God add blessing to the reading of this. His holy word.
1: Lord God, we come to you this morning. We are so thankful that your love was deep enough to rescue us. We recognize, Lord, that on this Father's Day there are some who are struggling this morning. Not everyone has had a great father experience. And so, Lord, I ask this morning that you would Quiet those hearts so that they wouldn't judge you against an unreal judgment, a judgment that was brought by a human. Lord, that they would recognize that you are a mighty, powerful, loving God. We have recognized that already this morning, and Lord, I just pray that as we look at your word, we will, be, we will be reminded how deep your love was, that in spite of us and, and who we are, in spite of the pain that we brought upon you, the hurt that we instilled in you, you love us so deeply. May that be what we hear today, in your name we pray, amen. You may be seated. See you, Lou. <laughs> Happy Father's Day. to. If I haven't had a chance, I, I saw like 10 people and didn't tell anybody, so that was pretty good. <laughs> so it's been a quiet morning. A quiet morning. <laughs> this morning, uh, thank you, Kelly, for... Uh, For reading this morning. I appreciate that. Uh, I told you last week we'd be talking about the prodigal son or the lost son. In the scripture in Luke 15, there's Jesus tells three parables right after another one right after another, the lost, the lost, the lost. And this morning, I'm willing to bet that you've all heard that parable once or twice before, right? And I'm willing to bet that you connect with one of the three main characters. Probably right off the bat, it may be because if you were an oldest child, uh, that that fits best and you understand that responsibility. Or that if you're a youngest child, that, well, I'm not a youngest child, so I'm going to pick on Bobby, right? That, that there's something to come back to, or, it, or as a parent, the father playing out in this, uh, in this uh, parable. I want to share with you a couple of things about this parable. One of the things uh, that, that we don't get as Americans is we don't get that culture. And we talked a little bit about that last week. But we're going to talk a little bit more about how Jesus would present this story to a group of people. And they weren't totally unlike us, but the culture was different. And so things were read between the lines in this parable that we might not catch we might not pick up. And so I wanna, those are the things I want to mention and talk about this morning. So, uh, but in order to do that, we have to start somewhere. And so I'm going to ask you for a moment. I'm going to give you a, a moment to think about this. I'm going to ask you for a moment to pick one of the three characters. Obviously, uh, you can replace oldest son or lost son and the youngest son or the mother you can replace uh, that way, but I'm going to ask you to pick one of those. So does everybody have one? Who doesn't have one? Yeah, Kenny, you don't have one yet. Would you like me to pick you one? I'm not sure which one, which one you, you can't outthink this, Kenny. You just have to pick one. <laughs> <don't think> <laughs> <laughs> you got to pick one, Kenny. You just—I don't care which one you pick. You want to be number one? You can pick Sun One. Uh, Okay, that's the youngest son. So if your son won, you're the youngest son, you're most like. And I'm not saying Kenny's most like the youngest son. I'm just saying you have to pick one, right? Yes. getting confusing. So son number one is the younger son? Yes. Oh. Well, the lost son. Oh. The lost. He's lost, okay? He's the youngest he son. It's so much harder. I know. <laughs> it's not. It's not the, <laughs> really not too hard. I mean, does anybody understand? I'm not. I'm not going to ask you like, to share who you are, which one you connect with. Or... but So the youngest son would be son one, right? The son who says, I'm done with this plan, I'm going to go do my own thing. What we like to call the prodigal, or today we're going to call him lost, because he's the lost son. Or number two, son two, would be the older brother, the responsible brother, the oldest child. Those of us who are oldest child, we understand that, right? The oldest child, the one who stayed with dad. And for today, we're going to call him the silent son. I know, that sounds kind of weird, huh? We'll talk about that in a minute. And the third character is the father. The father. The loving father who would take... And do everything against culture to make his son alive again. To find his son. He would do everything against what the culture would say that day to bring him back into the fold. He would do everything he could to break to fix a broken relationship. So does everybody have one? Good. I'm sure you do. If you don't by now, well, I just gave you. God will give you. That's the funny part, right? Spirit leads. He's like, eh, this is the one. Ding, 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 ding. You have to pick one, Ken. You have to pick one. Do, do you have? I'm going to make Ken write it on his hand, so I know he's got one. Maybe I'll have Veronica write it on for him. Would you like to give him one? <laughs> The first one we're going to talk about is the younger son. It says, the younger son went to his father, give me my share of the estate. Do you understand what that meant then? What it means now would be that you would have to give a chunk of something. But back then, there was not this liquid uh, assets like there are now. You couldn't go to the bank. The father couldn't go to the bank and say, I need to take a loan or I need to take a chunk of my Uh, my money that I have saved up, I I need to take a chunk of that out so I can give it to my son so he can go do his thing. That's not what happened here. What the son asked for was, Dad, you need to sell off part of the farm so I can do my thing. You need to get rid of some of what you have right now. I don't want to wait until later. I want my stuff now, now, this is how the culture worked. The oldest son would get a double portion, the younger son would get a single portion. So the, the oldest son would get two, uh, two thirds. That's how it would work. So essentially, the youngest son, in asking his father to give him his inheritance, said, "Dad, I wish you were dead. Dad, I wish you were dead. I wish you weren't alive anymore, and that I could go do. I'm going to go do my own thing." And we all say, that youngest son, we know those youngest sons, right? Let's be honest, we've all been the youngest son at one point in our life. And probably in our nature, that's who we are. In fact, I know in our nature, that's who we are. Selfish, uh, not very thoughtful, not going to the point of understanding what everybody else uh, was doing. Um, This son decided that he wanted what he wanted and he wasn't going to tolerate anything less than that. That's where he was at, the lost son. I thought I'd find a picture that reminded me of my past and probably a lot of our past, right? We've all, there's there's none of us that can say, well, I, I have lived the perfect life and I have walked the perfect path and I have done this exactly the way it should be Absolutely not. Some of us have some bigger things in our closet. Some of us um, have had those things exposed. Some of those things we still hide. But the reality is this: there is a part of us that is the lost son. There's a part of each and every one of us that is the lost son in our sin nature, in our natural being, who we are. That is that's a part of who we are. We want what we want. Do we not? I want what I want. And I've heard it said if you, if you add uh, money and stature and power to it, it looks a little different, but it always ends the same. We want what we want. Watch the news. What do they fight over? What they want is the power. They want what they want, and they're going to do whatever it takes to get it. Sometimes it looks more or less sophisticated, but it always ends the same. We want what we want. And there's a part of us that are in that lost son. See, that lost son, when he finally came to his senses, it talks about going and doing this uh, riotous... It's not riotous. uh, I'm going to forget the word. Riotous. Thank you. I knew it was close to righteous, but it wasn't righteous. Um, Tradition says he would have went to... It says he went far away, probably to a Gentile nation. And he would have had these parties. So he would have taken his money and his finances and all these things, and he would have had these nice parties to make friends and to bring people in and to, to have a good time. But something happened in that faraway country. And that something was a famine. It says he ran out of money and a famine came. A severe famine, it says. And I don't know if you think much about this, but in that culture, there wasn't a government subsidiary or uh, subsistence to make sure that they were covered if they ran out of food or money. There wasn't any of that backdrop. There wasn't anything for this young man to go to the food bank and grab a bag of food to take him for another week. The reality is this. He was a Jew in a Gentile world. And when things got tough, the Gentiles closed their doors and said, go find your own food. And they protected their own people. And so he had, ended up being in, the, in a country with no food, nowhere to go, and nothing to do. He was on the edge of death. He was on the edge of death and had no more uh, opportunities and nowhere to go. Here was the problem. Going home... Going home was a bit dangerous, and here's why. Going home meant that legally, because he had shamed his father, he could be stoned. Now, it wasn't what always, it wasn't like every time someone came home, they got stoned. But what it was was that the law said that because he had shamed his father in that community, and, and he was literally shunned, he was pushed away uh, and not supposed to come home. But this young man had gotten to the point where he had no, nowhere else to go. And he said, at least my father's servants have something to eat. And so I believe he came home not because he thought he was going to have special treatment or that he would be treated uh, as a son again. He came home because he ran out of options. And isn't that how we, in a lot of ways, come to Christ Seems like it's always in our desperation. There's nowhere else to turn. I got nowhere else to go. And now I'm going to test God. Does anybody know where's Brian? Brian Renner, where are you? Who is that, Brian? Alice Cooper. Thank, Brian. thank you, sir. I knew Brian would know because I know Brian went to the concert a couple years ago, and we talk a lot about Alice Cooper. If you're from the 80s, if you're an 80s child, you may know. You may be just put off by the picture, but uh, I don't know if you know who Alice Cooper is. Uh, That's my kind of music in some ways. Uh, Alice was uh, from the 70s, 80s. He still does some music now. Uh, Alice was the consummate prodigal child or prodigal son. He grew up in a Christian family. His dad was a pastor for 25 years. His grandfather for 75 years. He was a preacher's kid. He married... A preacher's kid. And he did what a lot of prodigals do. He ran as fast and as far away from God as he could go. At the age of 33, Alice was was just about dead. He was an alcoholic and addicted to cocaine. And he said, that was a moment where I realized if I didn't make a change, I wouldn't probably make another year. See, he, he made music his God, and he says that. I made music my God. I took God out of the equation, and I, made, I put music in there. And, I was, and he said, I was successful. I was able to do it. Uh, actually, pretty popular. I, he's, he, put on a, he puts on a pretty good uh, show. But at that moment, in his 30s, he, he realized the error of his ways. There was nothing more to gain. There wasn't more money to gain. There wasn't more alcohol to drink or cocaine to snort. And he realized that he needed to make some changes or he was going to die. And him and his wife decided to to try a church. And he went to church. And he said, "I I was a Christian, but boy, was I far, far away from God. And he stopped drinking. And he stopped the cocaine. And he started to get involved. He got involved to an extent, and he says, listen, I started to go to this church, and things were pretty good, because I had quit doing those things that were negative, but he said, you know what I realized? The Holy Spirit began to weigh on my heart that I needed to quit sitting on the fence. I needed to quit sitting in the middle thinking, well, I can do my own thing, and I can do God's thing, And, and he said, you know, it's not about Christianity and rock music. He said, it's not that at all. He said, Christians can do secular rock music. It's not a problem. The reality was my heart was in the middle. He said my heart would be on one side and my heart would be on the other side. Finally, the Spirit prompted me that I needed to make a decision if I was going to continue in my ways or I was going to follow God. And he remembered this scripture. It says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose your soul? And when he remembered that verse, it changed his life. He went from being that prodigal to living a life of faith again. He is a Christian and a believer, both him and his wife. He still does music. It's pretty wild music. um, And and it's probably not most of your genre of music. uh, But he does a lot of music about what the end times look like. um, And what revelation. He tries to, to sing some of what's going on in uh, in the scriptures in Revelation now. That's part of what he does now. But he's a prodigal come home. There's a scripture in uh, Matthew 18 that talks about Jesus going after the one, leaving the 99 to go after the one. And that's what he does for us. Maybe you relate more to the silent brother. The righteous brother. I like to call him the silent brother. Verse 28 says the older brother became angry and refused to go in. We'll call him silent because he had an option when his brother came home. And this is part of what we don't understand in the culture. He was the next person in line to take over the farm. He was the next person who would leave the legacy for his family. And in that process, he had a responsibility as the older brother. His responsibility would have been this. To come alongside and chasten his brother to turn from his ways. See, his brother, the, the silent brother, he knew all the details of what needed to be done. He had all the things checked off. Right, He was home, following all the rules, doing what he needed to do. Whatever needed to be done on the farm, the older brother did it. Remember that there were some religious people in the group that Jesus was uh, speaking to that day. There were some religious people amongst him that heard this story. See, the older brother, the silent brother, he did what he needed to do. He justified himself in what was right. But he didn't do the right thing. He should have come alongside and held his brother and explained to his brother that he needed to smooth this over and bring it back. And so what else did he do? He's like, no way. Why are they having a party without me? Why? Why? Is my father doing this? That is not what the culture would have said. It would have, the culture would have said the older brother takes the high road as the next leader. This was a test. And the brother was silent. He didn't speak when he should have spoke. I want to read to you a passage. I'm going to ask you to grab your Bibles real quick. Uh, Psalm 73. I want to read this. It was... Too, it was I want to read Psalm 73 because I, not all of it, but we're going to read a, ch- a chunk of it. Because it re, I was reminded of this passage because sometimes being a believer in Christ and doing the right thing feels like you got cheated or gypped or something didn't work out. And you feel like, I, I've, many times I've heard people say, you know, I'm, I'm doing what God wants me to do and yet... It didn't turn out the way I thought it was going to. It didn't work out. And yet I still have this disease. I still have this problem. Things in my life aren't perfect. And when I think that, i, I got to go to Psalm 73. It says, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. All the bad people around me getting rich. All the people who are not serving God getting better. It says they have no struggles. Their bodies are healthy and strong. They are free from common human burdens. They are not plagued by human ills. Therefore pride is their necklace. They clothe themselves with violence. From their callous hearts come iniquity. Their evil imaginations have no limits. They scoff and speak with malice. With arrogance they threaten oppression. Their mouths lie claim to heaven and their tongues take possession of the earth. This is what the wicked are like. Always free of care they go in amassing wealth. Surely in vain... Read verse. Thir- listen to verse 13. Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and have washed my hands of in- with innocence. All the day long I have been afflicted and every morning brings new punishment. As a believer in Christ, have you felt that? Have you been in that spot where you think, I- I've done my things right, and yet, and yet, I want to read. I want to. We're going to sleep. Uh, verse 17 or 16. It says, When I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply. And verse 17, until I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood their final destiny. And then verse uh, 27. No. I'm lost. <laughs> 26, I'm sorry. It says, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those who are far from you will perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, it is good to be near God, for I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge, and I will tell of all your deeds. This silent brother was feeling that, exactly. Feeling like he had done all the things right, And yet, the younger brother was somehow getting... He said, you didn't even give me a goat to have a party with my friends. And you killed the fatted calf. There was this unwritten rule. If you had just a a small party, you might have a goat. And if you had a a little bigger party, you might have a sheep. But to kill the fatted calf was... was, uh, There was definitely a big party going on. And the older brother had some struggles with that. And finally, we have the loving father. The father who said, quick, bring the best robe. Bring my best robe and put it on him. Put a ring around his finger and sandals on his feet. A ring around his finger would have meant that he would have had... uh, opportunity to the money, to the finances. And sandals on his feet. Only only the kids got sandals. The servants didn't get sandals. Bring the fatted calf and kill it and have a feast. Let's celebrate. My son was dead and he is alive again. See how ridiculous this story is to the people who are standing there listening to him? This is not what happened to a son who shamed his father and went away. The opposite happened. They had a ceremony. When the son would be shunned and chased and would leave the community, the Jews have a ceremony. It's called harem. And here's the ceremony. We're going to have a funeral without a body. We're going to have a funeral. There's no body, but we all know who it is. And that person is dead to us. They're not welcome to ever come home again. Do you realize how ridiculous it would have been for the father to allow his son back into his house? It says in the scripture that the father runs. In Jewish culture, anyone over 25 did not run. And in order to run, he would have had to lift his robe. And in order to lift his robe, he would have had to show his ankles. Not something that Jewish culture uh, was okay with. When I was in, and, and that sounds silly to us, right? We wear shorts. People wear shorts to church. And everybody shows their ankles, and, and, and our skin shows. I, when I was in Haiti in 2001, I went to Haiti, and it was, uh, it was February, uh, but it was really hot there. It's, it's a whole lot closer to the equator, <laughs> And it was really hot. And I had a guy in my group. And we were working outside on this kitchen. Uh, we were working on the roof and the uh, building blocks. And we were, we were doing a bunch of stuff. And my buddy took his shirt off because it was really hot. And all of a sudden, things got really awkward. The Haitians started to point, And, of course, we don't know what they're saying because they're saying it in Creole. They start to gawk at him. And, and it's like something bad has happened. So he, puts, he finally figures out, he puts his shirt back on. And when we get back to the missionary's house, we're like, what happened in the midst of that? And culturally, it is not okay for a man to take off their shirt uh, in Haiti. It's, it's gawked at. It's absolutely a, a, a no-no. We had no idea. He had no idea. We just we figured it out pretty quick when we were pointed at and... <laughs> People were making these weird noises and sounds, and it was. then we found out you're not allowed out on the street. You're not allowed uh, out in public without your shirt. That's not okay. In America, it's perfectly fine. In this, in this story, it would not be okay for this man to run, to show his ankles or his legs, It would not have been okay. That's what kids do, not leaders. What the father did was he welcomed his son back home. He welcomed him back into the fold. He said, I know where you've been and I still love you. And when the people who heard this story that Jesus was telling heard this, this was a new understanding of love it had no requirements that they had grew up there were no rules connected to that love God's love the same way in our life I want to show you a a quick uh, illustration that might help relate a bit to, uh, to that love Oh, Now there's a video, Zach. Thank you. after
2: the tone hey dad it's me I I know it's been a long time since we talked I was I was kind of hoping you'd answer but um, I understand you probably don't want to talk to me I've just gone so far and the things I've done I, I just regret it you know and I know how bad I've hurt you and let you down, but. But, Dad, I. I miss you. I miss how we drive around and just talk about life. And I just. I just want to come home. But. I know you've probably written me off. I can't blame you, actually. Here's the thing, it's kind of a shot in the dark, but I'm uh, I'm coming through town soon and, and I'd really just like to see you. I know I can't just show up at the front door like I used to, but, but if you want to see me, just hang a small sheet out on the porch. If the sheet isn't there, when I drive by, I'll keep going and, and I'll try not to bother you anymore. Love you, dad.
1: given us that mercy. Thank you, Lord, that uh, you have uh, worked in our lives. And Lord, that you have forgiven us as far as the east is from the west. That Lord, you have taken us from our lowest low and set our feet back on a rock. Lord, may our lives reflect the love that you have for us. Lord, I pray this morning for those who have not had good earthly father representatives. For those, Lord, who have been hurt in that way, I ask, Lord, that you would even now begin to uh, heal their uh, emotions and heal those spots, Lord, that are so raw and open. Father's Day brings that about. May we learn, Lord, from the perfect example, your example of the fathers that we ought to be. In your name we pray. Amen.